This is the Real Estate Guru 254 podcast and we are just coming up on episode number 11. My name is David Batia. Today's episode again is another solo act. <laughs> I'm not much of a fan of these solo runs. Uh, maybe it's just me. I find them somewhat uh, dull. I love conversations, I think. But I also think, you know, it's a good way for the audience uh, to make a connection with the person behind the podcast. So I don't know what you all think. would love to hear that uh, feedback from you guys. So so let me share what uh, a recent experience. Um, I was recently invited to be a part of a small group of podcasters. Um, ostensibly, you know, we are there to exchange notes on our different experiences. Um, I was initially uh, cynical, you know, very cynical actually. Um, was this some sort of, you know, self-therapy group? I understand, you know, because it's hard putting in the work only to be left wondering if, you know, there's anyone out there listening to you. Are you just perhaps blowing smoke into the ether? Um, so yeah, I mean, I was curious about the group. Anyway, um, that's you know, what I thought this was going to be about, some sort of support group where we um, we meet to just uh, bitch, or, you know, complain about <laughs> how hard it all is and how unappreciated our work is. Um, I had a rumor that people who start podcasts are really just looking <laughs> to get some love and attention directed their way, if at all. Uh, I don't know whether that's me, but uh, here we are. Um, so they had this session which they called uh, the Newbies Corner for those of us who had just recently started creating uh, podcast content. So my podcast, this podcast is about three months old. We started out in um, uh, the beginning of November and now we're at the end of January. So maybe a solid three months we've been at this. Uh, this is our 11th episode too. We're trying to average uh, uh, <laughs> an episode a week, but that's been somewhat of a challenge, um, especially towards the the holiday season and maybe also you know the beginning of the year um while there you know while i was at this meeting i was randomly selected to share some of my experiences as a newbie to podcasting you guys uh please note uh, i'm still walking through my you know imposter syndrome uh so i go on to tell the group how you know this whole thing feels somewhat outside of my comfort zone which is really just good for, I don't really know what to tell you guys. Um, anyway, um, I was also asked what challenges I had experienced so far and what I had experienced, you know, positivity along uh, the journey that was, you know, completely unexpected. So for ease of reference, I, I lumped, you know, my, my different experiences, you know, uh, into different categories. Otherwise, I think I just have been all over the map. So I told them that, you know, all parts of it really had been hard for me uh from that part where you're building content ideas working through those ideas for the purpose of generating a conversation uh trying to maintain authenticity uh when you're speaking to your audience uh, because they are you know i think i'm a very moderate um individual i never really swing too far to the left or too far to the right my opinions i generally tend to be middle of the road and i know that as a podcast creator you cre you need to be in your element you're really creating a lot of friction you're having conversations which are polarizing or you're attempting to have conversations where you're polarizing people or 
creating friction between different or competing ideas and it's hard i think to maintain uh, authenticity uh, through that process and of course i'm also facing challenges just working through the process of putting the content out there uh, which means post-production issues that sort of thing and then even really just trying to be consistent about creating um, content short form content for uh, the socials and I haven't really been very proactive about that. I'm doing most of my content in this form, which is the long form. And then, of course, not everybody wants to engage with the long form of the content. They just want snippets. Um, and just trying to find out how then you can engage meaningfully with the people who are listening in. So another part that's kind of been hard for me is the part of feeling you know, completely overwhelmed with the process of production i mean from building a storyline to onboarding guests for the show and dealing with all the production issues including sound editing studio glitches and you know even having to do complete retakes because of poor audio clarity uh, i think if anyone had given me the full picture before i had started i'd have quit before i launched but you remember you guys i told you at the beginning the very first episode i said that this idea was an idea that I had moved from way back in 2019. Um, we were only one year into our business at that point in time. So honestly though, uh, I see progress. Um, it gives me a sense of pride to have come this far. This is episode 11. So, you know, so far so good. Um, so another interesting question that came up is about what I found most unexpected. Um, the most unexpected thing that has happened in the course of uh building this podcast and i have to say that would be attempting to get used to the sound of my voice in the in recordings it sounds very different when you hear yourself um when you're speaking sounds very different from how you sound in a in an audio recording so i recently had actually done a, a google search one day saying i hate the sound of my voice in my in recordings and i was actually surprised to find that the number of results that came up were a ton uh, apparently, even some of these, you know, my new <laughs> podcast buddies said they had experienced the same thing. Allah, so it's not just me. Uh, there's even a phrase uh, for the phenomenon where people hear their voice and are completely uh, <laughs> uh, put off. You know, they're cringing. The term is actually voice confrontation. So who knew? Anyways, to today's episode, um, episode 11 uh drum roll please um for the first time i shall be doing a book review uh i know completely unexpected right um i think sometimes it's rare to find non-periodical publications on real estate uh on the subject of real estate published in in this country um more specifically actually one published by a kenyan author uh i think most of what i have come across is a lot of blog content online uh, possibly some magazines, um, whatever gets put out there by our traditional media entities, the newspapers, the TV stations, um, but not ever a publication in print in the nature of the book that I'm going to do a review for today. So this was an interesting find. Um, I was pointed to the book by a friend called uh, Mushai. Interestingly, because Mushai engaged me in a conversation about... Um, the subject, the subject that this book is about. So the book is called Don't Buy That House. It is authored by a gentleman called uh, Nashon Okoa. 
uh, who um, typifies himself as a construction expert and it is sold um, as an insightful guide to off-plan housing purchases. So first let me start by explaining why I wanted to review this publication. Uh, one of the most uh, basic premises upon which I feel like anyone should be investing is that they want to grow their wealth and attain some sort of financial independence. Anyway, some years ago, when I started to inform myself about why it was that so many people would be losing money to unscrupulous property developers, and you guys can go back to episode 10 because that's actually what we featured in that conversation. Do you know what I discovered? Um, I'll tell you. Uh, part of the problem, obviously, besides the unscrupulous developers, is really that we have fiscally illiterate or um, irresponsible uh, property investors. The fact that they are unscrupulous property developers in our market, that's that's not a secret. That's, that's unknown. Uh, people have known that for, <laughs> for lengthy periods of time. And the larger problem is just how many people attempt to do things, you know, undertaking major financial decisions like purchasing a home, for example, uh, in this case, without necessarily informing themselves, informing themselves about how those things are done. So granted, you know, the incidences of property developers who overpromise and and underdeliver is alarmingly high in our market. There is, I think, very little by way of precedent that demonstrates that rogue developers uh, actually get compelled to perform against the promises that they make, either by the government through state housing agencies or even for that matter by the courts. Now, that's not really why we're here today. I think the number of projects that we have seen either delayed or stalled midway, and we're specifically talking about off-plan property developments, which have stalled midway or have been delayed after home buyers had actually already paid full purchase price, I think will shock anybody into a different sense of reality. You may choose to believe that this problem, I think, is overstated, but I think go online, do a rudimentary search, and you will find a whole barrage of cases, especially in the past 10 years. But like I said, that's just part of the problem, yeah? There are legal mechanisms to compel developers to make full disclosure to prospective buyers, um, but their enforcement is, is non-existent. Developers can, ha- can and have actually used false marketing strategies to induce sales, only for buyers, I mean, to eventually discover that the premises upon which they agreed to make the purchase were never actually in the plan of that property developer and therefore will actually never get delivered. I mean, this situation in our market is all rather outstanding and that it is an ongoing endemic issue uh, needs for people to pay attention and to therefore inform and educate themselves about these things. So I have said, I think the more egregious issue is investor ignorance. Um, And I know that people would come after me for blaming victims for their their own suffering like i said before in the previous episode i'll take that (laughs) but please hear me out let me ask just a fairly simple question how many of you would go out into the rain without an umbrella okay there may be many of you who are willing to take those risks but then it would be insincere to complain about the worst thing uh, the worst of anything happening to you if you aren't prepared to take the most 
basic of measures to cover your assets cya so i think if you know there's danger or risk in getting into a transaction because it's been all over the news anyway and you never took any preemptory measures to mitigate those risks or danger then you are highly culpable in your own suffering um so it's true you are unlikely to escape the wiles of uh, a dishonest business person in kenya dishonest business people that's a fairly common event but what if by the effort to inform yourself you actually exposed glaring differences between what you're being told by say an unscrupulous property developer and what the reality actually is when you get to the ground what if by informing yourself you got to know that there were discrepancies between the reputation of the developer in a project you're considering and what their past clients have to say about them because maybe those clients or in and I spoke about this extensively in, in episode 10 what if those quote unquote clients are just public figures who are being paid to push their agenda of that unscrupulous uh, property developer and whether they're doing it willingly or they're not doing it sorry whether they're doing it knowingly or whether they're doing it unknowingly that's none of your business your business is to inform yourself about what you intend to do and to do everything you can to protect your investments what if by the endeavor of informing yourself you got to know that that a developer operating under name x had morphed their identity because they had previously fleeced other home buyers do you think that any of these efforts to inform yourself would reduce the risk of being conned by an unscrupulous developer do you think that if you understood how off-plan schemes actually work how they actually should work not what you've been told by the developer do you think that that would improve your decision making if you have independent information about the reputation of a developer not what they have packaged for you in their marketing materials their brochures and that sort of thing their websites about their team and even about the projects that they have undertaken that you would perhaps be able to make better informed decisions about whether you want to buy from them in the first place or not again like i said if it's raining outside isn't the wisdom for you to carry an umbrella yes or no if we see the problem as i had said in the in the previous episode just as a problem where we we blame the unscrupulous property developers then i think we don't get the full picture as i mentioned this before including the possibility that you're just a lazy poorly informed investor who is ignorant about what you're doing and that that may be actually the reason why so many billions get lost in off-plan housing schemes i think it's one thing to speak of the greedy property developer but it's interesting to note and i have found this to be true that there is an astounding level of ignorance uh home buyers in those off-plan schemes have and don't get me wrong i have loads of pity for them for anyone anyway who would lose to another person's greed but if it happens repeatedly again with alarming frequency as it has been happening in Kenya it means that those who get conned today learn nothing from those who got conned yesterday and on and on the cycle goes in a loop and we can't keep doing that i think that is what people describe as a form of madness so stop it the same disastrous thing happened yesterday happens today somebody somewhere is failing to pay attention to uh, to do what is necessary Uh, to stop the same thing from happening repeatedly and i said earlier on it, it's fine to go ahead blame state agencies and corruption within the system 
But this is your future, your money, which is likely to go down the drain, the same drain that someone else's money went down. I think surely, if nothing else, wake up to that realization, do what is absolutely necessary, quit blaming others for your misfortune. Yes, they may be to blame, but when the disaster is upon you, when it has already visited you, there will be nowhere on the scene. You will be happily blaming someone else who will happily be ignoring you. You're just as much to blame when you choose to make an uninformed decision. So, waswahili usema, ukiona cha mwenzako cha nyolewa, chako kitie maji, which, you know, you can loosely <laughs> interpret as a warning or as an encouragement to be observant about what is going on around you, uh, to become vigilant and therefore to take and therefore to take all measures you can to um, protect your interests. Um, if you do not understand how something works or why it doesn't work for that matter, I think the natural rule is to ask questions. So, uh, let's get into the book. First, I highly recommend this book to anyone who wants to buy a house off plan. So, if that is you, take my word for it. If you want to buy this book before you get into that transaction, if you want to purchase uh, a house off plan in Kenya, and the operative words here are purchase a house off plan in Kenya. Then, before you go to the market, do yourself a favor, buy this book and read it. I say this most emphatically because I honestly have no other more comprehensive recommendation to make to you if that's a decision that you're considering. The author of the book has written the book with a slant towards issues around construction. And I believe that there are very many areas that he could have covered more extensively, but perhaps with the benefit of having a co-author. Um, so... I'm starting my conversation by making a recommendation that you do purchase the book because it may have its limitations, but it also has a lot of comprehensive information that would be beneficial. A lot of information I feel that is not necessarily in the hands or in within the realm of knowledge of many people who actually get into these decisions. So please note, uh, for anyone out there thinking that I may be this author's personal marketer, I am not. And I'm not angling for the position either. And this podcast isn't about that. We're not in the business of promotion. Uh, that I would happily make the distinction and still break the rule uh, about not necessarily promoting uh, books or any other material. Uh, you know, I've gone ahead and broken that rule with this book. I um, should tell you where I stand on this matter. This book will empower you, uh, a prospective home buyer in an off-plan housing scheme, to navigate that decision you intend to take before you take it that in my view is worth the recommendation and also like just given the backdrop of the industry today and it's the only reason that i do it um, so i will have you know that much i want you to avoid the pain and misery of becoming another statistic in that growing list of kenyan home buyers who risked it all on what seemed to be a good deal but then got shortchanged and then you know went on to lose a fortune the book won't stop that from happening, obviously. Um, you have to follow the advice it offers. And then, and even then, you would still get fleeced. That's the truth. But here's the thing. At least you minimize the risk of that happening. You will better understand the risks. You will be better off before you made the decision to proceed. And if you follow the recommendations the book makes, I believe... You're also more likely to eliminate the risks associated with such ventures. So when I read this book for the first time, I felt proud that there are still people out there in this market 
who are bold enough to speak the truth, even if it may be unpleasant or unpopular. I would stand on a mountain and shout about that. Um, I'm fine with the book having uh, its own commercial objectives. You know, the writer should be paid for his work. I do not object to that insofar as, you know, it also has a representation of truth in it. Uh, one of the boldest things I think Okoa has done with this publication is to acquit the inertia of home buyers who failed to take the preemptive measures to protect their investments. Those who happily got sucked into the marketing hype and simply refused to pay attention to the pitfalls, sometimes staring them right in the face. I just honestly feel that this book covers the subject that the author chose in perhaps the most insightful way and I haven't found an, an equivalent resource and he offers a perspective that you are unlikely to find with uh, many other industry professionals. Um, I'll also say this book isn't for everyone. I feel like if I had invested in an off-plan home purchase and then it tanked, you know, I got conned. Reading this book would, would haunt me to give me sleepless nights because in all truth, in the marketplace, uh, I see very many quote-unquote investors who've made bad choices and progressively continue to make bad choices because they are too lazy to inform themselves and willing to ask the developers the hard questions or the property sellers the hard questions and basically uh, carry on investments with a very casual approach, you no know, due diligence, no clarity in developing an understanding of the consequences of their decisions and infatuation with the pomp and hype without any clear analysis and unwillingness to consider risk and generally a very mm, laissez-faire or lackadaisical approach to investments. Um, <laughs> you know, my wife sometimes criticizes me for speaking this way. You know, referring to the bad results and failure investors sometimes achieve as a product of laziness but if we are brutally honest and and i think okoa makes this point a repeated theme of of this book investors uh, quote slash home buyers uh, are often left carrying the baby because they just won't do the work to inform themselves about the decisions they make truthfully uh, i would probably hate the author for <laughs> making me rule my choice without informing myself comprehensively it's a natural feeling to hate the messenger when the message is uncomfortable. But it's also the lazy thing to do. Um, the harder thing is to introspect and ask yourself whether the failure was merely based on your encounter with an unscrupulous developer or whether you actively participated in the failure based on your own misinformed expectations and a dim view of the marketplace. It's easy, I think, to blame someone else for the results we do not wish to be associated with. Yet, um it won't take away the results that you may have to live with so let's do um sort of a blow blow by blow account of the book the book is about 106 pages long uh in an a5 uh, page print format it's organized into nine chapters the style of writing i would say is casual and simple almost as if the author is attempting to speak to you directly in the introduction Okoa makes a strong case for the adoption and strengthening of the off-plan housing model, you know, touting it as the best suited option uh, to meet the needs, the housing needs of our market, notably because it provides uh, several flexibilities for home buyers. He also points to several challenges and inadequacies with uh, the off-plan housing model, wherein I think the most risk lies 
for home buyers. Um, he concludes the chapter by suggesting that the off-plan model on the strengths of its merits should be seriously addressed as the ultimate solution for home ownership. That's a debatable thing. Um, I have my own thoughts about that, but today is not for that. This is about the book. So subsequently, Okoa goes on to take his readers through some critical due diligence considerations that home buyers considering uh, off-plan schemes should approach carefully, starting with a critical look into the background of the developer and the team of professional consultants associated with uh, the project, their form of registration, their history, any changes in their official record, um, this is names uh, mostly, their directorships, if there are cross-directorships between um, one property developer and another one, and especially with those that have previously scammed um, investors, their past performance, uh, who have they worked with in the past, who have been their clients, that sort of thing. And he encourages buyers to separate themselves from the emotion that is whipped up via marketing gimmickry and instead focus with singular-minded doggedness uh, on protecting their interests by keeping their eye on the ball and making informed decisions. The book provides some critical questions that a home buyer should consider when looking at the track record of a developer you know he then proceeds i think to discuss the project execution team with loads of insightful advice on how to probe their market credibility and competence uh, to engage in the project uh, depending uh, on industry compliance requirements uh, their professional associations uh, and where uh, prospective buyers can address their queries regarding these professionals Critically, I think uh, Okoa in this book has advised home buyers to avoid projects where the execution team members from the engineers to the quantity su surveyors and the contractors do not meet with uh, legal uh, compliances. He also advises home buyers to go as far as to look into past projects undertaken by the developer and their teams, which is likely to yield information that may reveal or expose uh, their credibility. So, in the subsequent chapter, uh, Okoa goes on to provide, in a very elaborate detail, uh, the critical statutory compliances that the developer ought to meet before the project is approved for development. Whilst some may be common knowledge, um, it is interesting to observe that there are some that are not in the common knowledge of the average home buyer. So, he masterfully weaves a timeline against which these statutory approvals should be obtained and the process by which um, the developer should uh, obtain them. So this section for me uh, was particularly informative since uh, I just didn't know the level of detail uh, to which uh, compliances may be required. You know, thereafter, uh, Okoa then takes his readers through the need to understand the legalities or around the substantive project issues in the in the contract of sale entered into between the developer and the home buyer he urges i think he urges uh, home buyers to consider not just the legal issues but also the construction issues as i mentioned um okwa is a construction expert and so naturally he places a a, a massive slant um on on issues on matters construction uh so some of the questions i know he raises is how is the payment plan structured 
Is it based on a time schedule or on milestones? Uh, what is the case for a milestones-based uh, payment plan as opposed to a time-structured uh, payment plan? What uh, are you buying in very specific detail? When shall the project be completed? Are there any penalties for project delays? Uh, what is the defects liability period and why is it important for home buyers to be aware of it and how it actually works? Okoa uh, advises home buyers to be critically aware of their commercial interests around the projects and to perform keen due diligence on even the most minute uh, basic of details, uh, such as you know the allocation of the unit number assigned to you in the event that you are a prospective home buyer in, in such a project. He addresses the issue around uh, finishes. Uh, these are finishes, internal uh, finishes of the property, and makes a strong suggestion. Uh, makes strong suggestions on how to ensure that what is promised is what is delivered. Um, in this chapter, he also speaks about the pitfalls of hidden costs. Um, sometimes those costs are hidden in plain sight, but without a critical uh, eye to probe the sale agreement, home buyers could likely face the dilemma of unforeseen burdens uh, down the road. Um, so the final three chapters really just delve into the confirmation of the house details. So you have a clear visualization of the property you intend to purchase, technical details around the orientation of the property, the quality of finishes, technical dimensions of the room spaces, uh, things that may be seemingly unimportant to you at the time as a home buyer that you're contracting, but as they say again, the devil is in the details, right? Uh, then it delves into elements like service charges. What shall the impact of these uh, extra costs be? Uh, I know, for example, I personally know a highly touted development where units were being sold off plan, which has struggled to maintain uh, the home buyers because of the recurrent cost uh, of service charges, which averages about 20% of the rental yields on the property. You know, this has caused the initial buyers to just struggle in maintaining tenants since there are more competitive offers within the same market. Even worse, um, many times the additional extras that are offered up, you know, just they just justify higher service charges. Um, and, and many times they only exist theoretically. So, for example, you have a swimming pool that is just a hole in the ground, no water, doesn't do anything, or a gym or a generator that actually never uh, functions. And Okoa is pointing these out. Um, I would say that these affect more um, an investor, property investor, not necessarily who, someone who is buying the home because they would know this in advance. So they, for, a, for an investor who intends to use the property as a rental uh, property, I have personally seen um, people who rent uh, where the service charges are very high, as high as more than 20% of the rental income. Those really, they really struggle to retain uh, occupancy. So occupancy in those developments tends to also be very low. So in the penultimate chapter, Okoa uh, covers the subject of project financing model. Uh, no criticism against the book or of him, but I would not have covered <laughs> this topic uh, this late into the book. Uh, I'm sure he had his reasons. Um, why do I say that myself? I, I say that because, as they say, you know, money makes the world go round. Uh, but that's just me. Personally, I consider 
the project financing model as the first yardstick against which a home buyer may be able to judge the level of risk they are assuming and therefore the probability of success or failure of the project. Uh, most property developers use uh, um, hybrid financing models. They leverage pre-construction sales, that is the money received from uh, prospective home buyers or rather from what we call early adopters. And they use that to either secure uh, development loans or private equity. In other words, um, pre-construction sales delivers bankability of the project. So another common project financing model is the joint venture model, which uh, can introduce a multiplicity of commercial interests, which often supersede the interests of home buyers in the project. And this is something I think to be to be pointed out and something that needs uh, for home buyers to be aware of. It's a great uh, it's great for uh, a project to tick all other boxes, but if failure is premised on a poorly uh, structured financing model, then this is often evident at the inception of the project. Um, one of the companies that has recently um, been in the media that's now under liquidation um, had very questionable uh, financing model and most um, home buyers who went into that project or those the projects that were being offered by this particular entity had not recognized uh, this and these were these were inbuilt uh, fatal fatal flaws i would say also i feel that um, offline buyers are actually the ultimate financiers of the project but for the project to succeed, the developer must the developer must also showcase the fail-safes that they have put in place to mitigate the risks associated with default, or even in delay, or even delay in receipts uh, from other home buyers. Um, many developers use this as an excuse, you know, that home buyers, other home buyers, have have delayed payments. Uh, so many property developers would use this as an excuse to justify missed deadlines and project delays with no recourse uh, to the home buyers who had actually kept up with their with their obligations so okoa makes the point that property developers are averse to borrowing due to high interest rates which is true um, he has been an advocate for the re for the introduction of regulations that would essentially prohibit uh, pre-construction sales ostensibly until the developer he has himself provided proof of concept at at least 30% completion. All these are very good suggestions. If the developers have, have sound feasibility studies uh, to back up their projects, then they should be able to provide demonstrable proof of bankability by putting their own skin into the game, not asking prospective home buyers or asking them at you know early adopters to to adapt there and then using and then leveraging those resources to create bankability uh, they should be the ones putting in uh, their own skin into the game before they ask home buyers to shell out money the bankability of the project should not be propped up by should be propped up by the developer and not by prospective home buyers in the project that's uh, I think Okoa's position as well. Okoa doesn't suggest anything, I think, in the way of protecting investors through regulations that would impose some kind of robust capital structure on property developers in this market. I mean, literally, anyone can call themselves a property developer in Kenya today without backing it up with the financial muscle 
that would at least demonstrate their capability of mitigating the huge risks that investors assume in such projects. Unlike, you know, other heavily regulated financial services industry players like banks and insurers, you know, which have minimum capital requirements in this market and even are, you know, statutorily compelled uh, thresholds like, you know, banks have what we call the cash ratio for for which they must maintain and it's imposed on them by the regulator. Property developers can go under with home buyers funds only to remerge under different brand names. So um, that's Okoa's book in a, in a nutshell. I honestly enjoyed reading this book. Um, Okoa has an interesting style of communicating ideas. Um, his, his, his style of communication is vehement, uh, compelling and you know curiously interesting. Even, you know, even at times funny, uh, what won me over, though, is the simple narration in which, you know, the book is styled. Yes, it does have quite a bit of uh, vocabulary that isn't for, you know, the simple tone. Uh, but this book gave me the sense that I had encountered someone who had the audacity to speak out uh, about something that had also been on my mind, not just about uh, investing of plan. But more importantly, about the you know about the irreplaceability of uh, personal fiscal responsibility when it comes to investment decisions. I think this book hammers that point home incessantly, which I I found admirable. It isn't enough to blame the system, as we've said before. It isn't enough to complain, and you you know if you're a prospective home buyer in this market, you're better off taking all measures to protect your hard-earned money. If you're going to invest in schemes that are, you know, and like these particular schemes are unregulated. So it was interesting to observe how also individuals within their respective fields would spin uh, the narrative around the same conversation in different ways. Okoa, of course, being a construction expert, has placed emphasis, a lot of emphasis on the issues around construction. I'm sure if, if the book was written by a legal expert, um, then it would have perhaps had a deeper uh, legal slant. Um, I would say this, go get the book, go read the book if you're intending to buy a house of plan. Um, you will find uh, links to how you can purchase the book online in the description of this podcast. Then thank me later. I'm out. Good people, that concludes this episode of the podcast. We hope you learned something. Send us any questions, comments, and feedback you may have, including any topics of interest you may want to have featured here. Of course, you know, we'd be glad if you share this podcast with your friends, rate it, and leave us a review wherever you come across it, and subscribe to get notified of upcoming episodes. This goes a long way to support our work. Connect with us on our social media handles included in the description of this podcast. Do you have a story in the real estate space in Kenya that can inspire, inform, and educate? To feature as a guest, please fill out our podcast guest form and tell us a little bit about yourself and the topics you would like to discuss. We would love to hear from you. So you just send us an email, you know, send us a WhatsApp message and we shall pick up the conversation. With you. Lastly, you can support this production financially by contacting our marketing team to advertise on the podcast or through your generous giving by using the links in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for your love and support. We totally, we totally appreciate it and catch you on the next episode. Bye.